Afghanistan. That's right. We go to the other side of the planet today again for a block on the latest from America's latest 20-year debacle. Oh, my gosh. It's really interesting reading between the lines with the headlines right now. Because I having this happen... Where we are with COVID, where are we with COVID right now? We're in the booster shot phase of COVID. That's, that's, yeah. There was, there was fear, lockdowns, back and forth, vaccine, ro- well, then there was the election, vaccine rollouts, right? And this, that was part of it. There we come, and, that's the election. <laughs> and then, yeah, everything's cool for a minute when we were like, oh, yes, let's have a civil discourse about who should be in charge of this thing. And then, uh then we got to like vaccines and now we're at mat then we were at masks back and forth with the delta variant being the dominant new fear-mongering strain and now we're at the, i think the booster shot phase as the dominant part of the uh the covid narrative but we're also at a realizing the bullshit phase and and a pushing back phase and i i think one of the things that i've been in denial of is you know something came up in the interview with Mike Adams yesterday about what is the bigger hidden agenda here, and to what degree is it genocide? Is a better question than is genocide even a part of it? Because there's clearly an agenda crafted by people to make them rich at your expense, and they don't care if you die. Like it's at least that much. Is it part of a larger agenda of genocide? I don't know. But clearly the policy that we're experiencing right now is, to a certain degree, genocidal. And this is due to there being at least a significant portion of the superclass, the elites, the people who pull the strings and run the biggest institutions of the world, who are consciously, ideologically genocidal. They want to lower the world's population. Now, there are others in the superclass who are not genocidal, and I would probably say majority. I would, I mean, I hope is that being hopeful. I don't know, but right now, in terms of policy, the genocidal ones seem to be having a much more dominant role than they usually do. And as a result of this, trust in the mainstream media is lower than ever before. And I, I keep referencing the story because it's so important, but BlackRock and Vanguard, two major holding companies in the U.S., own over half of big pharma and the mainstream media in the United States. And you go, well, shit, if there's a conspiracy of conspiracies, it's in one of those two boardrooms or both of them or in who knows what other virtual conference might be taking place right now. And there is a more nefarious agenda one way or another, of control, of domination, exploitation, and to some degree, genocide. And it might just be racist population control. It might be ageist population control in the sense, hey, let's, hey, too many, too many old people on the doles. We don't want, like, the old people who are really the drivers of the superclass. It's, like, it's not young people. You can be born into the superclass, but you don't really achieve superclass status, right? Until like middle age plus. Does that make sense? I mean, obviously I'm speculating based based on my understanding, trying to elucidate some of my own ideas here, right? It takes a while, exactly. It takes a while to be 
the ones in actual power and command of these massive institutions. So if, if that's the case, there's a struggle there. And part of it is just between the superclass when they say the, the overall struggle of the superheroes, where they want they want the rest of the world working for them. They want to live off of them. You just put them all back in their crates here. What you they just want you to they want to be able to live off of everybody else, right? And so they don't want any more competition among other old people. So some of what's happening right now is a culling of the elderly population. Now, this is speculative in the sense that. Uh, is it being deliberately done to take them off the social security rolls? I, that's that's a bit of a speculative stretch, right? Do we do we know that that's why, or are they just doing it and going, oh well, as a benefit? But it doesn't really matter because the criminality is there. And so today, again, we are looking at what's happening in Afghanistan. We have an Afghanistan block, then a COVID block. And then uh, we're gonna. We want to take calls all, all day. We actually we have our uh, follow up guest who couldn't make it day before yesterday, joining us. Um, and her name is Cece Mank. She is with Kansas State Libertarian Party. Uh, with a follow up on our interview with Mary Gelt uh, and Ned Kelly about their race in uh, Wyandotte County. Now that was stolen from them. We also want to take calls, uh, open lines, as I said, for this week. I, I mean, maybe we got this all out on Tuesday. Monday was the big oh my gosh day for uh, Afghanistan coverage coming out of the weekend. But even now, there are serious uh, developments day to day with what's going on in Afghanistan. And I want I know there are a lot of mixed feelings, but more so than ever before, uh, in terms of learning the lessons from this mistake. I think it's all the more important for veterans to be heard. And I, I want to share an idea that, that I, I, had to, I had to compose into a tweet yesterday. If you want to follow me on Twitter, at Adam Kokesh. Been having fun there lately. Um, but uh, it was, please stop calling the war in Afghanistan a failure. It is an insult to its victims, to suggest that its architects were well-intentioned. It is probably, uh, the, Afga the war in Afghanistan has been an incredible success. It is possibly the largest and most efficiently profitable war crime in all of human history. And so given the state of the American people, and yesterday we made fun of all these libertarian beards, what's the Libertarian Party? We are the American Taliban. We are the most bearded political movement in America. Was that Mike Freeman? Uh, is that Mike ready to call in after not making it Tuesday? Good point. Yes. Yeah, so thank you. Oh, uh, yes, Mike. And if, uh, if anybody wants to call and say, Jim, please get that link into the notes now. Open lines for any Afghanistan veterans, really any veterans today. And uh, what is it? Uh, copy and paste this link directly into your browser to call in. That's it. You can uh, cut your video feed if you want and appear anonymously 
audio only. We want to encourage that as well. So with that, Jim, give us the producer notes. What's going on? Hope you're prepared for a good show, everybody. Let's get through some promos. T.me forward slash Adam versus Samantha public telegram channel. We tell you about every single day, no matter when you're watching this or all of our audio listeners after the fact, we can, we'd love to have you join us at T.me forward slash Adam versus Samantha. That's where we have all the links for the show uh, that we talk about. Every, every link that we have for the show today is in that public telegram channel that anyone can join. Patreon.com forward slash Adam versus the man. We have one, five, 10, even $50 a month packages. $10 a month is a sweet spot that'll get you access to a private producers club, uh, which is another telegram chat that we have, but it's a private one. You have to be invited to. It's a one stage cooler than the public telegram channel. So if you want to be involved with that, you can do so through uh, patreon.com forward slash Adam versus the man. If you want to see what life is like up there in Gardenia through pictures and videos, you can do that at Instagram at the Garden of Freedom. Uh, posting all the time. They've been posting over a year so you can see the, the transition of uh, Gardenia itself going through snow and summer and winter and everything. And you can see all the fur babies and beautiful pictures and videos on the Instagram at the Garden of Freedom. So definitely get yourself connected and following that for all future updates. Next, homefrontbattlebuddies.com. Uh, just got a message yesterday from somebody from this website interested uh, in the process. So that's awesome. It's going to be growing quick. Homefrontbattlebuddies.com. If you want to get in on it, you can donate at the website and all of your donations are theft deductible. So definitely get involved with that awesome veterans action. Next, we're moving to the Crypto6.com, the Crypto, the number 6.com, the Bitcoin church that was raided up in Keene, New Hampshire. We remind you every day that if you have the means through different cryptocurrencies you see on screen, you can scan these codes and donate some of that cryptocurrency to their legal funds. You can also click on this top button right here to write to Mr. Nobody who's still sitting in a cage. It'll give you the address and instructions how to do that. So definitely visit the Crypto6.com and uh, do those for us. Next, we check out gogreenenergyonline.com, the website we send everybody to to learn about solar panels, micro wind power, more about zero energy homes. If you're looking to do it yourself, get yourself off grid. You can educate yourself on how at gogreenenergyonline.com. That's all I got for promos. Love y'all. Enjoy the show. All right. And Jay Nygaard of Go Green Energy Online will be joining us for our Good News Friday show tomorrow. With that, co-host Ed Vallejo calling in from Phoenix this morning. Good morning, sir. Good morning, Adam. I agree with Mikey Miller. It's a wonderful day today, people, and it's good to be alive. No, it no, 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 no. Ed, that's tomorrow. That's tomorrow is Good News Friday. Oh, I, well, I guess you could say every day. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm really glad to be alive, Adam. I mean, the dangers that we face increase every day, and you don't know which direction they're going to come at you next. So, yeah. Now, being alive is awesome. I was not alive for a long time, like a long, like the majority of the time, the majority of time itself, like 99.99999, I guess I keep going a lot, percent of, of time, I was not alive and it was no fun at all. Well, we tried to have fun, and we thought we had fun, but I have so much more pleasure and enjoyment today than I did back then, you know, when I was still running the program of society. Let's call it that. I ran that program for a long time until it crashed. 
it's not fun being in being being a cog in the machine. It's not fun being unaware of of just how you're being manipulated of living in that. It's almost a, a hold on. Joey apparently left one of her phones on and it keeps getting phone calls in here. Um, it was it was tough being driven, okay? Because uh, that's the way I feel. I was driven. There was there was like you're a, a horse in a team, and there's somebody behind you that's directing where the team is going, and they're you know hitting you with the whip, and and you're driving. You're driving, and it doesn't really matter which direction you're going, but you're going forward supposedly. You know that's the way I felt like it was. Now it's more like the horse meandering in the pasture, you know, and going where it wants. It's a big deal. Well, what, what was that from Jim? I was alive as something else before I was born as Adam Kokesh. Stardust. <laughs> yeah, we are, we are the all-seeing, all-living, whatever compost pile of the earth, according to Tyler Durden. Yeah, we all we all come from something. My, my body was something else before this, but that it always begs the question that brings me back to what is you? What what is it that defines you as a living creature? Is it is that that white head you just popped that is no longer a part of you, or the nails <laughs> that you trimmed, or the hair that you cut, or is it your skin or your muscles or your bone? No, not even any of those things. Or your nerves. But the is, is it your brain or this brain cell or that brain cell? Even then, it is an insufficient capture of your identity as a human being. What are you? We Star are all energy. We are all basically the accumulation of our experience. And, and if you smoke as much pot as me and Ed, some of this might make sense. Ed, you've been you've been keeping up with headlines in Afghanistan since we chatted about it Tuesday. You know, not really. Not really. You know, I'm not I, I'm not interested. It's a distraction they want me to be interested in. And I have concerns in life, real concerns that that overshadow Afghanistan by a million miles. You know, I have elderly people at the end of life that I'm trying to care for. And with this COVID crap, it's just it's almost impossible. You know, my my uh, almost 90 year old stepfather uh, fell down and broke his hip and when we got him out of the hospital to put him into rehab they tested him and said oh he's positive so there was only four places they could put him and he's in a uh, 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 COVID uh, 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 quarantine ward for 14 days and, and he's not happy he is not happy he was telling me he wished he had just died on the floor when I found him and that's that's disheartening you know, do you think he means that? I mean, I don't. I, I mean, yeah. I, I'm not. I'm just yeah, making sure he means that. He means that to the point where I have to put in a DNR. Cantankerous, contradictory stuff like that all the time when when they're when they're, uh, you know, in challenging situations. Um, but it makes sense if it is. I'm just checking. So if if you think he really means it, uh, that's that's pretty fucked up. And 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 I, you know, I recently. Uh, you were here when when my uh, dog of 12 and a half years, who, who I had since he was a puppy, died. And yeah. uh, it wasn't, uh, it wasn't, you know, I mean, in a way I go, well, I kind of wish he had just died in a car accident. You know, I kind of wish he had just 
you know, wandered into the road at a bad time and boom, lights out. And, you know, in, in some ways, that's that's not a good death either. You know, and I, I was thinking about it, it really cued me into because I, I you know that I, I made a, a, a significant effort yes. uh, to make sure that that Baloo had an, an epic last day that he deserved here and that the last part of his life was uh, as easy as possible for him. But when you're facing as, as he was, you know, chronic disease and, and, and degradation, uh, in, in his case, primarily around hip dysplasia being uh, a bit of a big, lanky uh, mutt with some great Dane in him. Uh, you know, I, I, I think about, you know, what that means. Uh, you know, it's, it's given me a lot of thought about what it means to die well and what it means to help others die well. And I think about some of the greatest tragedies of the, of COVID season what do we, cause I don't want to say of the pandemic cause there is a real pandemic. It's a real minor, not a big deal, but yeah, here's a thing in human history where the global Petri dish experienced a surge of a weird flu like disease, maybe engineered in a lab. And, I, and the more I see, I think that, you know, but I, I don't think I can say decisively yet with, with my intellectual to my standard of intellectual integrity on the source of it. But we, we see that the response to the virus, is a different phenomenon, and, and I think we need we need a, a decisive term for that. You know, there is a real pandemic. There there is a real COVID mythology that is being foisted upon us. Uh, there is a real phenomena of the response of authorities around the world to serve themselves and serve their sponsors, and that has come at a, a great expense beyond the cure being worse than the disease. And to some degree, there is a deliberate or, or at least conscientious killing of old people as a part of how this policy is being manipulated. And be, de denying them, denying people the chance to die with dignity, with family, with the full capabilities of modern medicine supporting them is a whole other fucking crime of creating needless suffering. And that breaks my heart in, in, in a whole other way, man. I can't go see him. He's in yeah. a quarantine ward. And if he dies, he'll die alone. Yeah, there's, 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 that's, there's, there's, a, there's a level of, of cruelty yeah. in what is being done to, to older Americans today. Um, Shannon Lee on YouTube, when I think you get I think when you get to a certain time in your life, when you're aging and you have more yesterdays than tomorrow's, you just don't see the reason to keep going if there's restrictions. So to say that we have created an end-of-life experience for, I dare say, at this point, a few million Americans, perhaps. Mike said a billion yesterday. Yesterday, Mike said they will probably accomplish oh, killing. Yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, I mean, already at this point. But, but what I mean is, that already at this point, it, it, it's one thing to kill somebody, right? I mean, and, and there are times when killing is okay, is justified, is necessary, is even a compassionate thing to do in assisted suicide, for example. But to create 
an experience of horror and cruelty around that experience as they have already done needlessly for I think millions. I, I think it's in the millions, people globally at least. Probably millions in America over the last year and a half. I don't know what, what, what's the annual death rate at 7,500 a year normally, or 7,500 a day normally, you know. Uh, but at least for hundreds of thousands in the U.S. and millions of people worldwide, as a result of COVID hysteria policy, they have created a cruel end of life experience. And there's no excuse for that. It is it is unconscionable. It leaves one speechless. And that doesn't happen to me that often. <laughs> well, on to more pleasant topics, Ed. Let's talk about Afghanistan. And well, I say that with a little tongue-in-cheek, over-the-top sarcasm, but also with a lot of sincerity. Because the story of Afghanistan is a rejection of empire, a rejection of the cruelty of American militarism. It is perhaps, and I don't know if it's too early to say this, but when I see when I see the Taliban so demonized in the U.S. media, I go, oh, we've got a friend over there." <laughs> like how? Like the the, the question I want to ask here is the American Taliban is how much does the Afghanistan Taliban like the mainstream media portrays it versus like us? And I vow to say they're a lot more like us just with this weird Muslim streak and much bigger balls and beards. You're really working on a, 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 a title for yourself of Taliban sympathizer. You know that. Sympathizer? Absolutely. Probably one. <laughs> I sympathize with everybody. I, 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 I sit with a lot of people, um, but particularly the Taliban as they're going through this powerful experience. Absolutely sympathy. But uh, what you mean and what it was is how I would be slandered with that term. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm a sympathizer with the Afghan people. I'm, I'm a sympathizer with the traitors who betrayed their people to serve with the imperialist forces in Afghanistan and are scrambling to get out. But I'm particularly sympathetic to the potential of righteousness. I got a question for you. I had a question for you. You were over there. Was Hamid Karzai a man of the people or was he a U.S. puppet? I was in Iraq, not Afghanistan. Uh, Karzai was absolutely a puppet, though, and, and, and that's based on my understanding of world history, of, of modern American military history, modern American diplomacy. And yes, it very much squares with my experience in Iraq, which isn't that particularly relevant to the experience of Karzai, who was what the first major and longest serving uh, titular head of the American puppet government in Afghanistan. Right. And war I knew him well as so many did for his funny hat tastes. Uh, Karzai was the guy who wore what the, do Google, Jim, do a Google image search for K-R-I-Z-A-I, and I'll bet images Karzai, yeah, right away you get all the funny hat pictures. I don't know, I don't know what the hell that thing was, but Karzai, distinctly known for his funny hats, 
and for profiting off American imperialism. I kind of had a feeling he wasn't for the people. No, never, never. I, it, it, and it's kind of in your face, too, when you look at the security details and bullshit and, and his sort of isolation from the Afghan people when uh, you, you see, um, shoot, what's his name? I should know his name now. Uh, the, the current head of, of uh, the, the Taliban. Uh, but I want to say that he, they're setting an example. And one of the things I'm, I'm, I'm cheering for the Taliban to do is to live up to some of their examples as uh, for being ascetics, for, for, for uh, rejecting the absurd wealth of the palaces uh, and the lifestyles that went with Karzai and a lot of the, the, the puppet rulers in Iraq and Afghanistan. And of course, famously uh, with Saddam Hussein in Iraq before that. Um, but we'll see. Uh, we'll see how much they live up to this. And the other thing that, that I'm, I'm cheering for them on, and again, like I'm not, I'm, I, am I a sympathizer? Yes. Do I, I cheer them on as people who are taking on major power? To, I cheer them on to be compassionate and, and to be wise. And uh, I, I cheer them on to be forgiving and to be inclusive. And, and when I see the American <laughs> mainstream media portraying them to be the opposite of that, um, I, I know that, that that's, not, that's not in line with reality. You realize you're talking about Islamists, right? We're also talking about Islamists who have the popular support of a very large nation. These are not just uh, it, the tal. It would be one thing, a lot, like it's one thing to say that through uh, massive militarist control that the centralized power of Washington D.C. forces itself on the rest of the country through its satellite states. In the case of the Taliban, they have always had a broader popular support. The, if you think about what's what's the approval rating of Congress in the United States versus what's the approval rating of the Taliban in Afghanistan, I think we have good numbers for that in the United States, that the approval rating of Congress hovers somewhere between 5 and 10%. Pretty fucking low. And somehow they've got this mind control trick. Well, it's, it's everybody else, not my congressman. Uh, and even then, for most people, yeah, my congressman's an asshole too. But... Uh, with the popular support of the Taliban, I don't think we have numbers to compare to. We right. do have a major event of this past week to compare to where the Talib Taliban violently, bravely confronted the Afghan army that was right. the army of the puppet government of Afghanistan, the puppet government of the United States, right. and what happened. In most cases, they laid down their arms. They threw them yeah. Not because they were facing necessarily a superior force. They were facing superior righteousness and the will of the people of Afghanistan. And they knew that without the flow and direct air support, without the violent backing of the United States military, their position was untenable. Correct. And they submitted. Now, this is where I turn to the challenge before the Taliban. 
where they are strike, striking a very delicate balance where their support. I, I mean, let's look at the people of Afghanistan. I, I'm not I'm, I'm sympathetic, but my if I was cheering on the people of Afghanistan for anything, it would be to reject their silly religion and their backwards ways and come into a more humanist, compassionate, modern view of civil society and to reject that religious-based oppression of women and freedom in general. Fuck all that. Absolutely. And so this is the Taliban having to balance that with their desires for control with the international community in, in order to try to rule this country, because if they don't, someone else will. And and I, I would say that that is a step in the right direction compared to being ruled by Washington, D.C. on the other side of the planet. It is a huge step forward in any temporary chaos at this point, I dare say, will probably prove to be worth it, although that doesn't diminish the necessity of the world to focus on, so focus on Afghanistan and see what we can do to minimize that upheaval right now. Okay. I'm right there with you. All right. Well, Ed, I don't know if we're going to get any callers. We got Mike Freeman in. Uh, YouTube cut the feed again. That's what I'm hearing right now. Yeah, that's what the that's what they're saying in the yeah. chat. Well, what we figured. Thank you, thank you. Well, I'm glad that happened right now uh, because it gives us a chance for an update from yesterday, where it was 19 minutes into the show, the feed was cut, and we decided to keep going because we were continuing on Twitch and odyssey and it was better than interrupting the show to fuck with that i'm glad we did that uh but we found out later from joey joey you want to what was the source that this was a this was a service the way you described yesterday it was a service wide glitch across here it is everyone streaming on youtube we're got it boom that time said to email hello from 8 20 a.m to 8 49 p.m today august 18th youtube was having some issues that caused some users to have their youtube streams cut early we're emailing you because based on your logs it looks like you were using Streamyard around that time we want to let you know that it seems to be a temporary issue it <laughs> appears youtube had fixed the issue only right now it appears, it appears that they <laughs> Uh, so, another glitch in the matrix, uh, which r- reminds me of... Which which is, is making YouTube even more worthless than we already thought it was to begin with. Yeah, I mean, so you, uh, a, a major understated foundation of YouTube's power was its technological superiority and reliability. 2140 right? today, 1922 yesterday, so right about the same time, 20 minutes-ish up youtube oh they can't hear us that's right they don't listen it's google i mean alphabet i mean hillary clinton <laughs> no it couldn't have had anything right. to do with your content because mike was just starting to get into it when it cut because what mike was just starting to get into it when they cut the feed on youtube well they should have figured out by now. I'm pretty sure we, we posted in the producers club. We posted Joey. Did you post it everywhere? Yes. Yeah, it, it was it was well known to people who are at least paying attention. Um, that uh, that we are live on Twitch and Odyssey still, and really the ultimate place. And I say, hey, you know, this is this is Joey. I know you you want us to really finish the website, and I I owe you that. But uh, we really need to focus on uh, Telegram as, as the ultimate secure backup channel. 
because I think I think Telegram, honestly, if I had to bet on one or the other for reliability, I would bet on Telegram. Yeah. Um, our website is dependent on several external sources. Um, it's not censorable or manipulatable the same way that social media is. But let's acknowledge that there is a stranglehold even on having a fucking website, finally, where the FBI can shut you down because suspicion of, of illegal activity, you know? Uh, they put that splash page on there with their logos, right? Uh, this page has been whatever, whatever, because illegal activity. So Telegram, um, I think, might actually be more secure in the long run. It, it, it uh, hopefully will eventually become a lot more uh, stronger and decentralized and have some of the features that might make this messaging app displace social media. But for now, it works wonderfully as a broadcast channel for uh, thousands, at least, of, of American content creators who I know are on there. Uh, if if not tens of thousands, maybe hundreds of thousands worldwide, uh, gr it's great for for messaging. It's great for groups, and it's great for broadcast channels. Those three functions, it's got down pat and secure and censorship free. It handles media. Uh, eventually, it, it servers on it might just get so robust that we can live stream directly to Telegram, and that's the whole fucking thing. If, if all this functionality of social media rolls into Telegram, that's awesome. Uh, another interview we're working on getting, by the way, is, well, we, don't we have an interview with Telegram people in the works? No. StreamYard people? We should. We should. I want to interview all the people. Odyssey, thank you. Thank you. It was Odyssey we were looking forward to. Uh, is that scheduled yet? No, it's no, not. Still working on no, that. They're, but I, they're busy guys. I, of course, I would like to interview, and I'm more concerned with working with them than interviewing them. But I'd let, I'd love to interview any rep from Odyssey to to scrutinize them and and, and hear their pitch in that format. I think that would be fun. But really, all the uh, a rep from all the major tech platforms, I think it would be awesome to do interviews with. We don't really care about like the old school ones. But Jack Dorsey, head of Twitter. Uh, we'll we'll never stoop to do this this show, uh, but he he is uh, recently posting some interesting libertarian stuff, including Rothbard's Anatomy of the State. Uh, very interesting to see that. Uh, and I, we have uh, what is is it, uh, what's the project where they're creating a protocol that's basically what I described before as uh, social media. Um, universal protocol that would allow you to, to have open source platforms and plug you in to whatever you content, whatever content you wanted. And I, I think if you added folders and ways to sort things and have different streams and messaging compartmentalized on Telegram, I think Telegram could be that. Maybe it's not the be all end all. Maybe the be all end all is going to be blockchain or more truly decentralized. But Telegram, Odyssey, the, the uh, this protocol, I well, Telegram and Odyssey, I see as as big critical bridges to get us away from the current fucked up, looted, censored, uh, just disgusting corporatist mainstream social media to a fair, decentralized one that realizes the potential of the internet to serve the people as opposed to serve 
the super class. And that's that's very exciting. So anybody who wants to be involved with this, by the way, send us an email, adam at thefreedomline.com. We'd love to have your help. We'd love to have your input. We'd love to have your support in this. Uh, we would like Adam versus the man to be uh, not just this, this wonderful community that keeps growing, but that that is an activist venture in and of itself. That, that by engaging with these platforms more effectively and directing traffic to these platforms, we can be part of the solution instead of part of the problem. I am you know, greatly, greatly hopeful for the rollout of Brighty on TV. I'm yes, you, yes, Brighty on TV. Monster. Well. It's going to be monster. Have you have you looked at any of the any of the videos on Brighty on TV or on Brighty on? I've got pulled up. Oh, uh, one with um, Doctor Michael Mitowitz. It is great. There, it's such depth, and there's some great people on there. I can't wait to see your <laughs> stuff on there. It's going to be great, man. Yeah, no, and I, I wonder, um, and I, I, I certainly, I, I, Brideon is also one that I think has a potential to be a major bridge. Yeah, it seems like it has limitations, but in terms, and, and by, by, by bridge, I mean like, could be the big thing for the next five to ten years. Yeah, right. That's that's. Time scale, I envision min minimum the transition away, away. I mean, and 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 the transition away from the. Uh, you got a bird. Ed's got a bird. Yeah. <laughs> His wife's bird is there. Uh, the the next, but the next phase is is I think we're in the we're in the beginning of this five year ish transition phase away from the power of mainstream social media websites. I, I, I think that's that's not unnecessarily hopeful, but the way that today we are financially and attention and time-wise dominated by Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, are, are, are those the big ones? I'm missing any. Um, Whatever Google, I guess all of all of those large corporate properties, even that that control this major amount of human attention, I think it's going to end, and it's gonna it's there's going to be at least a decentralization. And first, it might be to companies that are sort of centralized, but are are willing to decentralize profit, decentralize power, decentralize access. Uh, and, and at least not have the same kind of censorship and, and control. The major hurdle right now is overcoming technological limitations. Like Mike Adams is doing Brideon himself, essentially. And right. I know I, I, he's got an awesome team behind him, but he doesn't have any other partners in it who are uh, bringing in the scale of effort and resources, resources into it that he is and he has to compete and the technology has to compete to create a practical experience that is about server power processing power connectivity accessibility api user interface all of these things have to compete technologically with youtube they're, they're not as practical it's just not fucking competitive but because the technology is getting easier, more accessible, more efficient, sure. it's getting fucking competitive, and that's really exciting. And now, Twitter, I'm, I'm, it's a little different. I'm actually kind of excited because Twitter has actually been relatively low on the censorship. Now, I don't want to say good. I don't want to say relatively good because their censorship has has not been principled. 
uh, Naomi Wolf. If you don't know who that is, I'm sure, Ed, you remember her from the Ron Paul days as being an ally with the books that she wrote. Um, Two about libertarian-oriented political activism. This is, yes, the infamous Naomi Wolf of the beauty myth who made her name with that and has since written a lot of effective books in other areas as well. Uh, But she was recently banned for Twitter, for on Twitter, for COVID misinformation. And I do think some of the shit she said was wrong, but uh, all right, Twitter's not a free speech platform anymore. Twitter, in order to continue its existence, and Jack Dorsey might have limited power in what he can do, um, has had to compromise with the state and allowing the state to say, we are the arbiter of the truth, because they let him in before that as the arbiter of safety. Is this a threat? I got a notification about pushing vaccines on Twitter. Yeah, there's also all sorts of bad shit on Twitter. I'm I'm not defending Twitter, but compared to Facebook, compared to YouTube, Twitter's censorship has been relatively mild. A scale smaller, I dare say, even. And that is a weird struggle for me because I don't, I like, eh, I still don't want to like it. And then now Dorsey's going, sharing Rothbard. I'm like, well, maybe I like Twitter now. Um, and it has become a sort of public conversation of record. And and I do think it might maintain that status. And I have been censored. I've, or well, I don't know if I've, yeah, well, you know what? honestly, I don't think I have been directly censored on Twitter. I've definitely been shadow banned. I've had tweets where you go that those numbers don't, don't make sense. It's because they were flagged. They were in their warning system. You know, my profile is, 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 you know, whatever like that, but it's, it's probably safely in that zone of not getting deleted with what, how I'm using it. Right. Um, but you never know, you never know. Is, is Dorsey going to win or the board and, and is Rothbard sympathies or is the board of Twitter and, and the, the cancel culture mob going to win on, on that platform. Who knows? But Facebook, right? Facebook is is very fucked up, very polluted, very heavy on censorship. And that's what everybody's trying to kill and create an alternative to. And uh, But it, it, the, the, the thing is with Facebook, it has two major advantages, right? User base and, and features, functional features. Until there's another platform that can compete on all of those, Facebook will have that power. I see that fading within 10 years. I see that fading significantly uh, in the next five to 10 years because of these competitive pressures on Facebook. It's either going to have to massively reform, like fundamentally transform, or it's going to die. And it's going to, it's going to be, it's going to become MySpace. Gen Z is bored with Facebook. Yeah. Not impressed. It's going to die just generationally if they don't do something. Well, in that sense, it's 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 pulling. I don't want to say it's being replaced for Gen Z by TikTok and or before that it was Snapchat. But those are parallel phenomena as I see them because what they were doing is they were competing with Facebook for time with Gen's Gen Z eyeball time, but they were still on Facebook. They still needed to have a, like I do now, I feel like I have to have a presence on Facebook, right? And TikTok and Snapchat have never tried to replace the overall functionality of Facebook. No. But that also made them vulnerable. That made, because social media kind of wants to be comprehensive. You don't want to have compartmentalized social media. You know, I don't like that I use Instagram 
for galleries, like for a meme page and, and personal stuff on my, I have two pages on Instagram. We don't promote my other one here, by the way. It's at Adam Kokesh, if you, you want to follow it. It's half meme page, half, pers half, half, you know, body shots of me at the gym and showing off travel, nature stuff and fun stuff. And um, it's, 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 it, that's my page. But then we have the Instagram for at the Garden of Freedom. And those are my photo galleries. I'm thinking of just switching those to Telegram and saying, well, let's get t.me slash whatever. And that's my sharing and announce that's that's my everything social media broadcast page for uh for the garden of freedom and for myself and that would be a lot better than being on instagram like well like i kind of just want to let those pages die like i really it's you know what joey that's a chore i should get to this weekend yeah, anybody want to contest me on that we got the website there's website. other stuff too we, we can so no, no, but, all right this is a, this is a smaller thing i know the website is one thing and that's a few hour tour i need to do with ted uh ted metz also a board member of home from battle buddies and georgia libertarian party activist extraordinaire former chair and governor candidate there um but anybody want to challenge me on this should i just like abandoned or abandon uh, Instagram that the way that I'm using them is photo galleries for uh, for Telegram and, and create like a, a, a Garden of Freedom page or channel on Telegram and, and use that for photos. Then I don't have to do everything square either. Um, I could just post like a goodbye photo on those and be like, hey, goodbye for now at least. I'm going to be using telegram is my gallery hosting service on the production before moving on to that but, yeah, no, that's, but that's a small idea. thing that's a small thing that contribute but that adds to so here's the other thing that i think there's there's a critical mass coming on telegram even with its existing features where we're going to start using it more as social media and you can share by the forward function you don't call it sharing sharing forward. you call it forwarding because it's a messaging service forward but forward if forward. on my exactly that's what I'm talking about. Like and one of exactly. So like if you had a personal channel, you know, I, you could be following mine. I could just have you in my contacts, <clears throat> whatever, different ways of doing this. Um, but I, Joey, one of my fantasies I, of bringing other producers onto telegram is having a libertarian network where one of the things that makes it a network is that we commit to just once a day, we are going to share by forwarding like Ted or uh, if, if Ed, if you had your own channel of, of just Ed's brainstorming and I was subscribed to that Ed, Ed's, Ed's awesome shit on Telegram and you were in my network, I would we would commit to you're going to share something forwarded from the Adam versus the man channel. And I'm going uh, to to Ed's channel and I'm going to forward something from Ed's channel to mine. And there's sort of a more pure cross-pollination uh, that I've, I've championed uh, libertarians supporting each other in different ways on the existing social media. And then I always feel thwarted by bullshit policy. So I, I think that's why all, all of these things connect. And, and it's, it's tough to stay focused, right? This is, this, is, this is one of the challenges we face right now uh, with Adam versus the man. We had a, when we brought Joey on as CEO, 
we had a list of what 50 ish more and aunt ralston really helped in this our, our wednesday co-host who had we had a lot of fun with yesterday we had like 50 plus places we could publish content and it was like holy fuck which and 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 at first our approach was let's just do all of them that we can't and then i realized that's not it no. we, we do and, and it's not a singular destination and that's tough too because we want some backups and we want some diversity and we don't want to put all our eggs in one basket but we don't want a blanket approach for a lot of there are a lot of downsides to that but we want to conscientiously focus on about a handful of platforms and it's in a sense number one our website number well i would say number one telegram number two our website uh number three wherever our primary video live destination is um and then you know a video backup and and then and then maybe you know our primary blockchain social media which would be odyssey right uh brideon might be our video backup might be our video primary but i think odyssey is also going to be blockchain and video primary for live and archive uh depends we will see how odyssey develops but focusing on telegram first i have the most confidence in telegram and if there was one place i could move my audience i should make a youtube video saying get the fuck off of youtube go to telegram <laughs> like it's getting glitchy uh but you can always find us through telegram i think that's really the most important and then all those other things that we choose to engage with support this transition phase of killing old major corporate media maybe we'll let twitter survive i say fuck facebook fuck youtube fuck instagram at least those three absolutely get away from them if they don't fundamentally change fuck them uh twitter maybe can come along in this in this temporary era until we get to the decentralized part but then twitter will fall apart because they don't have any money uh, they won't be as significant. It'll just be, maybe they'll still have the brand. And it'll be Twittering and the decentralized social media networking protocol. I think that's what they're calling it. DSNP, Decentralized Social Networking Protocol, which is what it, which is exactly the concept that I described in a speech like eight years ago as super social protocol. So it's like, and I didn't think it was that original, but I was just, please, please, someone make this. And it's like, yeah, it's happening, it's happening. So I want to support that in my conscientious engagement. So I want to encourage anybody who's bothered to, how long have I been ranting about this now? Fuck, we're supposed to talk about Afghanistan and COVID and uh, it's Thursday, it's Thursday. It's headline catch up Thursday and we have a guest. Ed, make me shut up. I just, I'm going to stop this rant by saying, um, it, I, I appeal to the audience for help in this both as conscientious audience members and sharing stuff and where you're watching us. So if you're, if you're not yet on t.me slash Adam versus the man, go to t. I'm doing this until Jim gets it on the screen. T. Me slash Adam versus the man, everybody, wherever, if you're not watching this, or if you're, I guess if you're not watching this on telegram, cause I think you can actually watch it through telegram ported through one of the places we posted like Twitch or Odyssey or YouTube but not YouTube anymore because they're fucking glitchy. If you're not on Telegram, following me on Telegram, go to Adam versus the man, t.me slash Adam versus the man. It's pretty easy to find. Down, You download the Telegram app. Yeah, he's flashing it. Tell, in rhythm with my neurotic finger here. Go, ah. Yes, this is important. Uh, and then be conscientious about where you engage with and share stuff. 
and uh, help bring more people over there. I think in, in terms of conscientious consumer activism and social media activism, arguing with trolls on Facebook is a waste of your time that's bad for your mental health. Yes. Moving to good content and fair platforms, or at least better platforms, is something that we can do right now. So I'm, I'm, I'm recommitting with this rant to putting the time in to uh, or reorganize a little bit based on those, those uh, conscientious principles. Ed? Yes, sir. Uh, yep. Shut the hell up and get on with the show. <laughs> right. uh, sorry, I should have been looking at Telegram to see if we have any callers. Um, oh, yeah, Joey, Joey, we have one other sort of announcement. I don't know, Joey, do you want this announcement? Uh, just announcement? Just say this. I mean, people can hear you all right through this mic, right? Um, we have some updates from uh, Brittany, or sorry, Bethany, Bethany Hill. Excuse me, Bethany Hill with We Are the 74 out of Mississippi. And just to remind people hearing it for the first time, We Are the 74 is the 74% of the electorate who voted for uh, the medical cannabis policy in Mississippi and then were shot down by legal bullshit. Um, and they're now fighting for possible legislative change to come over the top of that, over that. They might be getting distracted by legislators. Uh, keeping them from pushing for what they already voted and approved with medical. But um, this, this is one of the backwaters of prohibition territory and no surprise, more fuckery. Uh, Joey? Crazy. Um, I mean, Bethany reached out to me yesterday with some terrible news. Um, Austin Bostwick, who is a veteran and also one of the We Are the 74 board members, um, uh, supposedly seemingly took his own life the other day um, after battling through some false allegations of um, uh, fraud through his VA benefits that happened after a, a board member of we are the 74 left it, it's it's a real it's a real crazy story but both Bethany and himself were, were kind of attacked by proxy by we don't know who through the state, now, getting caught for individual VA fraud is is not that uncommon and not that big a deal. And it's usually like you lied on some forms and said you were more injured Which than you were. Which wasn't the case with and, this man. Okay, what was it? it was, and he was had, fraud he went, I don't know the exact name. We should have Bethany on to clarify. We'll have Bethany on again. You know, uh, but, but she said he was going to all these doctor's appointments and confirming everything and, and getting everything back to where it needed to be. She's but I mean, this him. is like a minor crime at worst, and an, an administrative snafu and headache and shit like. Yeah. not a reason you to commit suicide. Right for that. Time for you are facing you time. Get, you know, you might and it's stressful. And it back. sucks, but Maybe. it's it, and you could say it kind of ruins your life, but it's, it's not like owing back taxes. Uh, yeah, really, I mean, it's really along that yeah. line. Yeah, not, not like you're intentionally not paying taxes. You just you flubbed on a piece of paperwork, and, and so it, it's. Somewhat suspicious. Yeah, I mean, he had medical issues as well. Like, it, of, it, it's not like it's out of the blue. It's not like someone who was a very stable genius suddenly committed suicide. Well, no, he actually worked with uh, organizations where when people were suicidal, he would stop what he was doing and find them help and get them treatment and talk to them and be there for them um, and was an advocate for veteran suicide prevention and worked with a bunch of other groups besides We Are the 74. So what was the means of suicide? And, and is that something suspicious? Because it sounds like on whether he or not he would commit suicide, it's like, 
I mean, you're an active, like, it, 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 you go, well, he was a vet, well, he was in with this, but overall, like, he was living strong. He had shit to live for. Oh, yeah. You know, and none of his pains were that extreme. So it's all, that's all suspicious. But anything about the circumstance of the suicide itself that we're looking at? He reportedly, his wife made a post uh, the evening um, that it happened that he had a a, a bit of a panic attack, nervous breakdown, left the house and she was worried. Um, And that evening they found his vehicle alone on the road and not far from his vehicle, his body, uh, Bethany thinks it was a firearm, but I don't think that it's it's come out exactly what the cause was. But, well, but yeah, yeah. It's, it's very PC and tragic and suspicious, perhaps. I, I, don't, I don't know. There's a GoFundMe that's up for the family. Um, more importantly, no matter what happened. And that's what the quote is from here? Um, yeah, that's what the quote here is from. Uh, Austin was a war veteran, loving father, and husband to Ashley Bostwick. He was also, we are the 74 board member, an advocate here in Mississippi fighting for medical marijuana, and the voters of Mississippi. This fundraiser is to help with the cost of funeral arrangements and to help his family through these terrible times. He also had a daughter that was... Um, like major league, little league softball champ. Like, mm. so he was very active with the kids and the community and sports and seemed like he really had a lot to live for. And, and it's, it's tragic and it's tough. Cause in the activist world, there are so many suspicious suicides that it's hard not to be paranoid when it happens because people do make that decision. All right. Well, Hey, before we get to our Afghanistan block, Mike Freeman is back backstage. Let's see if we can get him up again our Afghanistan veteran friend who had some connection issues uh, before Mike. <laughs> Still got him. <laughs> How you doing? Oh, pretty good, sir. Um, I was on YouTube watching the stream and it just dropped. You got, it's completely gone. I don't know what happened. Is there anywhere else I can get on to watch it just for anybody else who might be tuning in, you know? Oh yeah. Yes. Uh, well, first go to t.me slash Adam versus the man, because from there, the no matter what, you will be able to find wherever we are broadcasting live, at least until Telegram integrates that in their services, because they're amazing. Uh, but yeah, so right now in our Telegram feed, Joey, right, you can find <laughs> links to our Twitch live stream and our Odyssey live stream. And uh, we would say, please, please do, please create accounts on both and be able to watch on both, and then go to Odyssey. Well, you have to create an account on Odyssey. That's that people oh, think okay, Twitch, you can watch without creating Twitch, an account. you can watch without an account. Yeah. Uh, All right. You have to create a creator's account, and I think that's cool. I hope that inspires people to make their own channels, do their own rants, and speak their minds. Yeah. I was just on all three of those, and every one of them said, so it could have been, again, a connection, because I am having issues, but... So it's probably mostly from my end, but at least on YouTube, every time I try and refresh, you know, usually it'll pull yeah, you no, guys YouTube back up. YouTube is cut. And and I'm ready to say goodbye to YouTube. I mean, maybe that's the way to do it is just put a farewell check out video Rumble. up. Check out Rumble. Huh? Um, check out Rumble. Yeah, we have new, uh, and, and decided Rumble's nice, but not quite in our top tier. And no live. Only do no live. There. Yeah. So, oh, really? Yeah, I didn't know that. Well, anyway, that was kind I mean, of my they're, comment. They're, it was just so I'm going to get they're, on they're, and they're, uh, see if I, the so, so there is a chance. 
Sorry. The T dash me, uh, Adam versus the man. That's where I'm headed right now. I'm gonna try and bring it up. Oh, anyway, I'm sorry to interrupt. That's you. it. But no, it's it's do it from your phone. Uh, download the app Telegram. It's it's a messaging app where I have a channel. T dot me slash Adam versus the man. Um, sorry, now I forget what I was gonna say before. But Mike, uh, appreciate. Oh, if if we about Rumble, if we had you know, unlimited funding for Adam versus the man. And we had, uh, you know, we, we had the post-production capability of, you know, making every derivative, you know, every little clip of the podcast and put it on every platform, you know, and, and, and we had the staff, we had the fun, if we had the funding for the staff one way or another, we might go back to a kind of post stuff everywhere strategy. But yeah. one of our major limitations is just resources. And for it, it's it's mainly Joey's time and Jim's time. And if I direct them to do a st- scattershot strategy, it, I mean, I, when I used to direct them to do a shatter, scattershot strategy, they would come back to me a lot with, Adam, what about this? What about this? This Now we have this tech problem here. Now we have this issue here. Now we have this censorship here. And I was just like, Okay. Okay. I get it. Uh, no, but it also makes sense. I think for the bigger strategy of the evolution of the internet that we focus on a handful of platforms and, and maybe in terms of what we put energy into, maybe it's like two dozen platforms we're taking a shot with, but as individuals, I really think we should limit ourselves to, you know, to, to six or less, that we're like actually personally actively engaged with. Right. Like keep them decentralized and that way nobody can cut you off. Just like what happened. Yeah. Right. Yeah. We'll have some backups and, and support ones that are more decentralized, that are more likely to not just grow under immediate circumstances, but to grow in the next five to 10 years as we see the old social media failing. Anyway, any any thoughts on Afghanistan? It's just a shit show. <laughs> and you cannot convince me that this is the outcome they wanted. They, they've been there for 20 years. You cannot tell me on its outcome. They know, they know where the Taliban is. You, our forces are really this incompetent? No. They... Been planning for this for months. Um, it was yeah. one thing, and one thing only, and it was to humiliate the military. You see, you saw it in Malia, uh, Black Hawk Down, that kind. Of, you saw it in Vietnam, in Saigon. This isn't the first time it's happened. So yeah, but once so again, it, it begs the question. Yeah, this, this begs the uncomfortable question then, because I, I want to first like underscore what you've said. And I, I want to explain something that occurred to me yesterday in, in, in covering uh, one of the stories we didn't really have time to get deep into. And it was Biden saying, uh, you know, I it, it had to be this way. We didn't. You know, and for a second, I'm like, really, let me let me question Biden on this. Let me let me play sort of just devil's <laughs> advocate on, on Biden. And like, did it have to be that way? And, and I think if he, he's blaming Trump for for wanting to recognize the Taliban in some way, right? And it's like, if the Taliban is more representative of the people, then what 
the American government is trying to force onto the Afghan people with their puppet government, then if then transitioning to the Taliban could have been done. And it could have yeah. been done pretty peacefully. There could have been yeah. a slow transition of recognizing the Taliban as a political force, maybe even inviting it to participate. And I, I, I know I'm accepting a lot of incorrect or sort of unethical premises of what's happened here, but I it, agree. you could they they could have integrated the Taliban into the political process under the puppet government, U.S. military supervision, and then slowly consolidated U.S. military forces, transitioned to Taliban politically incorporated control of an Afghanistan military, well, and then left started the whole, like it was no big could, deal. They could have started the whole thing on Twitter. <laughs> Literally, the spokesmen for the Taliban are on Twitter, and they have been for years. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, wow, come on. You cannot. And all of the munitions and everything that were left at Bagram Air Force Base? Are you kidding me? Now they're, guess where they're being shipped? Being shipped to China, Afghanistan. Whoever wants them, they're going to get them. Yeah. I don't. Yeah. The generals are shit, but our boys, the NCOs, they're the ones that hold the military together. And these idiots and assholes they got running it now. <laughs> I don't know, man. I just don't know. I don't, would you follow them? I wouldn't. Well, let me, I think there's, there's, there's another question that is begged from what you pointed out before. That the chaos of the withdrawal is designed. To what right. end? I think to humiliate our military. I really do. To humiliate. No, 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 no. There, it's it's our military that's designing this. Okay. It's our government slash military that's but designing military the follows. withdrawal and letting it be ugly when they had the option to politically incorporate the Taliban and instead they let it be this collapse. Why? You're saying they, they could they be that incompetent? I would say no. That, that, that overall, that's deliberate. I agree. That's deliberate. Um, so why? So okay. To what end? I don't know. Why are our upper generals woke now? Why were most of them purged at the top levels during the Obama administration? I don't understand that. Okay, so but I don't want to get into that. Now, hold on, that's. That's a bigger topic. Let me, let me, but you're right, right to raise right. the question in parallel. But let me go back because I think I have some speculative answers as to why they, the American government slash military, are letting the Afghanistan withdrawal be a mess. And I think it's in general with mess comes opportunity. If it was, if they left and it was neat and settled and tied with a bow. There would be no excuse for further intervention. The people of Afghanistan would be able to assert themselves on the world stage for control of their pipelines, their poppy fields, the rest of their natural resources. If you keep it chaotic, you keep a people 
from establishing those things that prevent them from being exploited again. And I wonder if it's being, if it's, if it's creating an excuse for a new phase of military intervention, whereas if they drew down smoothly, there's no excuse to go back in. If they draw down completely ish, but it's rough. Well, now there's an excuse for a surge. And I, I, I'm even predicting that if they do, there's going to be a term. It's going to be called the re-engagement in Afghanistan. <laughs> Is that yeah. too depressing? Um, Is that too cynical? <laughs> so, psychic taxi, the exit wasn't the solution to an old problem with the creation of a new one. Right, no, it was, that's a good way of putting it. Because the solution, the, the old problem was the ongoing occupation. So it solved that problem. And in solving it, as in bowing to political pressure, it created the new one of a, an eternally unstable Afghanistan, where the American CIA, will, a State Department, etc., will forever have a destabilizing or exploitative presence. Uh, uh, well, so Ed I, says I it's say, Taiwan. I will, this. I will say this: that when China goes into or occupy a territory, they do it with briefcases of cash. They don't do it with military. Now, I don't agree with that in any way, shape, or form, or their ideology. I completely disdain it and hate it. But that's kind of a better way to do it if you really stop and think about it. Especially since we just print money out of thin air. Yeah. <laughs> It's at least a generally more compassionate way. Yes. yes. <laughs> All right. Uh, any well, other man. thoughts, Mike? No, sir. Just a pleasure talking to you face to face finally. And uh, keep doing what you do, bro. Love you, man. Right on. Thanks for the call. All right. To our uh, to our Afghanistan blog, finally. APnews.com. Afghans protest Taliban. An emerging challenge to their rule. And it, it, it's funny, again, I, I have to compare all of this to the American government, right? You would, you would say Americans protest federal government in growing challenge to their rule, uh, growing challenge to COVID policies, perhaps. Uh, Afghan protesters defy the Taliban for a second day Thursday, waving their national flag in scattered demonstrations. And the fighters again resp- responded violently as they faced down growing challenges to their rule. Now, again, compared to the United States, the American fighters again responded violently to another protest facing down challenges to their policies. Maybe it's not a fundamental challenge to the rule of the American government or the system here yet, but the you just go, oh, this is very biased language, isn't it? You and a visual, or, or is it that the American government is spared such realistic language. A UN official warned of dire food shortages and experts said the country was severely in need of cash. Well, no, oh, they're in need of cash. Well, let's freeze their assets. That's a story we covered yesterday. While noting that the Taliban are unlikely to enjoy the generous international aid that the civilian government they dethroned did. Now, it's funny that it's put this way because even this needs to be translated, right? The Taliban are unlikely to enjoy the generous international aid. 
when you don't have a puppet government to sponsor, there will be less sponsorship of a puppet government. Oh, no shit. That's not generous international aid. That's manipulative money. So the civilian government they dethroned it. It wasn't a civilian government. It was a, it was an American military puppet government. Why do why do they have to call it a civilian? Are the, the Taliban they're not they're not civilians? Oh, they're they're militants, they're fighters. They're well, if it's a civilian government, it's like if civilian is not government, then it's not a civilian government. That's not really possible. In light of these challenges, the Taliban have moved quickly to suppress any dissent, despite their promises that they have become more moderate since they last ruled Afghanistan with draconian laws. Many fear they will succeed in erasing two decades of efforts to expand women's and human rights and remake the country. On Thursday, a procession of cars and people near Kabul's airport carried long black, red, and green banners in honor of the Afghan flag, a banner that has become a symbol of defiance. At another protest in Nangarar province, video posted online showed a bleeding demonstrator with a gunshot wound. Onlookers tried to carry him away. Uh, and again, they're putting that, and it's not that that's not notable. I don't say that, I don't want to say that doesn't deserve mention in the story. But you see that they're trying to characterize the Taliban response to protests by two limited incidents of violence. One for shooting a woman, in, like one was for shooting a woman in the head for not wearing a burqa. And I was like, if that was not an isolated incident, if that was policy, you would see lots and lots and lots of women being shot in the head for not properly or fully wearing burqas in Afghanistan. Uh, so th this is, I, I mean, I, I think what's really fun right now is for me, at least looking at, and what's happened in Taliban and in, in, in the Afga in Afghanistan is uh, dispelling some of this anti-Taliban propaganda. Again, not to defend them, not to say that they're not brutal, but in terms of which side is more righteous and what is doing the righteous thing right now, it's the Taliban. And to see that they're being so demonized in the media is uh, really weird. But I guess in, in post-COVID, oh, those those suckers will believe anything. In uh, oh. Telegram messages. Oh, no, no. Uh, well, story from Producers Club. Capitol Police investigating bomb threat near Library of Congress. Buildings evacuated. Interesting. Breaking news. If anything comes of that, maybe we'll, we'll get to it tomorrow or uh, maybe Monday. Who knows? Back to Afghanistan. ABC.net.au. I guess that's Australian ABC. Taliban's capture of Kabul forces many to flee to the airport as Afghanistan's women fear for their future. It was a second, it was the sound of distant gunfire that signified the Afghan capital was about to change suddenly and drastically. Sarah, not her real name, was teaching an online class when news broke the Taliban had entered Kabul. She rushed to the shops to try to stock up on supplies, but it was futile. The city had shut down as the implications of her new reality began to sink in. A feeling of dread washed over. People People are really, really scared right now. People are rushing to the banks. They wanted to withdraw money, but the banks are closed. The shops are closed. The malls, the cafe I normally go to are closed. And it's like, ah, uh, you mean you trusted banks in occupied Afghanistan to hold your money? 
so there is there is this period. I, I, I'm not diminishing this, and particularly the plight of women in Afghanistan, where the, the general culture is misogynistic, and the Taliban reflects a certain amount of that. And there is a a, a drive uh, by the Taliban, at least, to be seen as more welcoming of women, but they still have to live up to that. And right now it is a period of great uncertainty. So France24.com, Taliban vowed to ban heroin, but can they survive without it? <gasps> interesting story here, interesting angle. Heroin production has boomed in Afghanistan. Like, the money wasn't coming from heroin, it was coming from the American taxpayer, right? Well, one way, I mean, who, who was real. buying the heroin? Anyway, heroin oh production. <laughs> but no, oh, well, Joey, do you have a sense of, compared to oil pipelines and American militarism and every other economic factor in Afghanistan, how large or significant a factor was poppy production without the Americans yeah. guarding the fields? Of course. How do you think the American government flooded heroin into the streets? I'm just saying. Is it flooded? Flooded. That sounds like an exaggeration. Because I've waded through some some flooded streets and I never got heroin in my, in my shoes. <laughs> Um, all right. Heroin production has boomed in Afghanistan in recent years, helping fund the Taliban. And experts say they will struggle to wean themselves off the profitable trade despite their promise to do so. And regardless of the scale of of uh, heroin uh, for the economy of Afghanistan as a whole, it is certainly a major part of agriculture and a distributed thing that is going to be uh, in flux, if not in peril right now. Speaking Tuesday at a first press conference and take, since taking power, Taliban spokesman Zabahullah Mujahid promised that the new government would not turn the world's leading producer of opium into a fully-fledged narco state. We are assuring our countrymen and women that the in the international community we will not have any narcotics produced. Now, this is a weird situation they find themselves in, Right. Because the American government tolerated and maintained poppy fields in Afghanistan. That's a weird thing to have accepted to this point. It's not even a controversial statement, is it? But now, yeah, if you have, and under the American puppet government, same policy, right? But now, oh, you're the Taliban. Two major pressures for you to stop doing that, right? One, the religious angle. Right. Two, which probably is not much of a problem here Two, international scrutiny, whereas the American government can hide it or obfuscate it or evade accountability for it is the Taliban or the Taliban goes the other direction. Here's, a, here's the other problem. Right. It, it's been kept moderated to a certain degree. Right. It's been kept controlled. A psychic tax here, the Chinese paying for them not to grow. I wouldn't doubt it. Interesting. Could be. But. The full-fledged narco state possibility might be the other direction they could go, right? They could also go back the pre-prohibition way and reopen opium dens, and then again, they get yeah, right. Then it'd be like it would be well. Denmark is a full-on cannabis narco state. Oh my God, uh, Afghanistan could turn into a full-on opium narco state where opium is openly used and celebrated and safely consumed and go dens. for it we did that in america once upon a time we had opium dens everywhere people went they did their opium they passed out they woke up and they happily and healthily walked home to their families but nope 
we destroyed that. And now there's heroin. See what Prohibition um, did? Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, the to, to play the, the pro-drug war devil's advocate here, they, they might say, well, heroin or uh, opium like that being widespread was more destructive. Yeah, and, um, and but that regulating that through the market, and I saw bullshit. Psychic taxi, not cheap, cheap fentanyl replaces smack. Yeah. Now, here's the thing fentanyl, not organic and very dosage sensitive, and possibly very dangerous for overdose. But then you go to opium, too. Is opium really even like cannabis in a sense? I, cannabis is a, is a very safe drug, but is it an optimal drug? Will it always have a place? Probably not when you have skin patch drug delivery and inhaler, everything's super customized, right? It'll be a fun, archaic thing to, to smoke flour. It might not be relevant, right? Opium's but it will, hold, hold on, hold on, but it will always have a role. So here's the thing. If if we really end the drug war policy around opium, what's the, what is there, does it, in, in, in the cornucopia of useful human drugs, what is its role, right? where it, you see what i'm saying what like it? some it's drugs still, become playing, obsolete I, some I, drugs move out some drugs are products like they're like are, are bad drugs that are phased out or overcome like quaaludes right i guess i don't know yeah you can't find quaaludes is anymore because they're which unpopular is, which one or is that a day not because thing? it's not popular right? people love them they're before our time uh, but but here's what struck me originally as a kid is you, somehow quaaludes get completely eradicated. They take a drug off the street, but we still have a heroin, crack, cocaine, whatever problem. Like that proves that there are people behind the scenes. There's control. Yeah. There. So There's wait, control. are are quaaludes uh, obsolete by something that has displaced them? I watched an episode of Hamilton's Pharmacopoeia on this. Quaaludes only exist in one little village in the world right now. And there's a serious problem with it. Like they're, they're making it, whatever the chemical composition is, they're making it in some little village. And no, but what were quaaludes used for besides day rape? I don't know. It was a pharmaceutical though. Right? It was, a fun, was it a fun party drug or a relaxant or a sleep aid or all of the above? But has it been replaced in those things? Is it also obsolete? Well, anyway, is there something else you can do besides quaaludes? Yeah, that right. I see. I don't, I don't think so. I mean, I hear my old head friends talk about the Quaalude high and how there's nothing like it. It's still a thing. Oh my God, Quaalude, 70, 75% off sale now. Wait a minute, maybe I'm wrong. Barely <laughs> combined them on the internet. Mm. History of Quaaludes. We'll get back to that tomorrow. All right, let's finish our Afghan blog. From thehill.com, billions in U.S. weaponry seized by Taliban. Yep, surprise, surprise. Now, the funny thing is, it was like, it says, fallen quick collapse of Afghan security forces trained to use the military equipment. It's sort of like, no, we gave it to the now independent government of Afghanistan and a new government take o took over. And we're saying, well, like, yeah, we're still, no shit. Anyway, yeah, it's it's just one more angle to this mess. From uh, abcnews.go.com, Biden says he, he did not see a way to withdraw from Afghanistan without chaos ensuing. This is where I said, like, no, nah, there was a way, a pretty simple way, like incorporate the, the, the actual people into the political process and 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 phase out withdrawal and i i would be for an immediate see even when i was talking about iraq in terms of like as an iraq veteran what we should do in iraq with iraq veterans against the war it was not immediate withdrawal run away from everything no there is so it was but but immediate cessation of all aggressive military uh, like occupation 
uh, operations. I mean, that's that's done. No security patrols. Done. Like, you can go out and move around the country and have your bases and fun stuff and 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 make it so that there isn't a sudden political upheaval as we've seen in Afghanistan. It would have been the same end result just without this little period of chaos, right? Anyway, who was ready? Uh, from- can, I, can, I, can I cut this story real quick? Uh, what's up? We've got a live bomb threat at Capitol right now. Yeah, I, we, I covered that, dear. I you I was out of Yeah, we'll come back to it. All right, so AP News headline, Russia was ready for Taliban's win due to longtime contacts. When the Taliban swept over Afghanistan, Russia was ready for the rapid develop- developments after working methodically for years to lay the groundwork for relations with the group that it still officially considers a terrorist organization. Russian Foreign Ministry Sergei Lavrov emphasized this week that Moscow was in no rush to recognize the Taliban as the new rulers of Afghanistan, but he added that they there were encouraging signals of their readiness to let other political forces join the government and allow girls into schools. So if the Taliban, see, the Taliban might just achieve what the American government didn't for 20 years, which is create an inclusive government system that gets it recognized as an independent government on the world stage. And yes, in order for the Taliban to to be that, to get that international recognition, they would have to do that. They would have to be inclusive, fully inclusive in a political, an open political process. The funny thing is, Russia is already talking about their going to recognize Taliban as the new rulers of Afghanistan. They're just in no rush. Yeah. All right. All right. To our COVID block, COVID vitamins. All right. I can't say I told you so about this. I can't say I saw it coming, but I did tell you the cure was going to be worse than the disease. And guess what? That applies to plastic barriers, too. This story is from DNYUZ.com. And this is hilarious. Originally from the New York Times. This is in the New York Times. Those anti-COVID Plastic barriers probably don't help and may make things worse. Yeah, you want to talk about conspiracy of conspiracies? One of the conspiracies was just in all the plastic manufacturers who have gotten away with overselling emergency COVID bullshit, make your customers feel safe in light of this hysteria products. Wow. So, COVID precautions have turned many part of our world into a giant salad bar with plastic barriers separating sales clerks from shoppers, dividing customers at nail salons, and shielding students from their classmates. Intuition tells us plastic shields would be protective against germs, but scientists who study aerosols, airflow, and ventilation say that much of the time the barriers don't help and probably give people a false sense of security. And sometimes the barriers can make things worse. Research suggests that in some instances, a barrier protecting a clerk behind a checkout counter may redirect germs to another worker or customer. Rows of clear plastic shields 
like those you might find in a nail salon or classroom, can also impede normal airflow and ventilation. Under normal conditions in stores, classrooms and offices, exhaled breath particles disperse, carried by air currents, and depending on the ventilation system, are replaced by fresh air roughly every 15 to 30 minutes. But erecting plastic barriers can change airflow in a room, disrupt normal ventilation, and create dead zones where viral aerosol particles can build up and become highly concentrated. Every thought, everything you thought you knew was wrong, even about this. Gosh, we say question everything, but at some point, you need to stop questioning shit and just live your life. Just know that most of the time, Authority is wrong, and COVID hysteria leads to bad decisions and acceptance of bullshit. WND.com, professor granted vaccine exemption after natural immunity lawsuit. This was a late edition, not in the stack, Jim. I speak for tens of millions of Americans in the same circumstances. And this is just, this is an encouraging legal story where someone who got natural immunity, they have to put that in quotes, um, George, Mason, George Mason University granted a professor a medical exemption from its vaccine mandate because of legal action. And the, the crazy thing is that this is just for someone who can say they got COVID. I speak for tens of millions of Americans in the same circumstances I am in, and I call on leaders across the country to develop humane and science-based approaches as opposed to one-size-fits-all policies. Well, that's not the point. You ruined it. They're creating one-size-fits-all policies in order to serve their agendas. No shit. Um, but the interesting thing is that if you can decline to get the vaccine because of uh, you know personal medical choice because you've got the virus already, you have to prove that you got the virus? Or is it now, well, now maybe you should be able to keep that personal. That's personal medical information, right? So... Uh, I, th this is something that I predicted, and I, I'm actually kind of surprised it's taken so long. I mean, I, again, I shouldn't be. The, 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 there are going to be more cases of legal pushback, and I actually hope, and I think there are going to be some more of these. Bad news, CNBC.com, or rather just predictable. U.S. will begin wide distribution of COVID booster shots next month, saying vaccine protection wanes over time. Under the old definition of vaccines, that's not how vaccines work. Mm. But yeah. Um, I'm honestly worried. I mean, I'm flying out east next month. My mother is going to be picking me up. She's got the shot. She's interested in the booster. And if it comes out before, like, I'm honestly, people are worried about going around people because they might have COVID. I'm worried about going around people. With all this viral shedding so stuff. So the viral shedding, I don't believe is a thing. And there's a way that Mike Adams brought this up as a threat yesterday. I wanted to get into more uh, where he said, do you want to pick up a dead body that's full of spike proteins if they're replicating in your body? Um, and I don't, I don't think you can, I don't think you're any more likely to catch spike proteins than than anything else from normal contact with people. Maybe if someone's gotten the vaccine, you know, maybe you want to not have sex because there's a blood to blood exchange or exchange bodily fluids.
But in terms of walking around in public and exposed to aerosols or normal contact. I was my mother, like, we would share a soda, say. I'm less likely to do that. Yeah. You know? Like, she, if she said, here, have a bite of this, whatever's on her plate, I'd eat off her fork. It's my mother. But now I'm less likely to do that. That's all still in the realm of, like, minor insignificant. I don't. Sorry, Mom. I love you. You're not yeah, watching anyway. Why not be precautious? Uh, Matt was in Adam. Have you looked in your Native American church membership as a religious exemption? Uh, so, Matt, I don't have any particular pressures to take the vaccine in the first place, other than go along, get along bullshit. Like, and and I've never been asked to show papers. So, for the TSA, if it's wearing a mask for two minutes and two minutes for getting on an airplane, you know, I'd rather wear a mask, even if vaccination was a way to get out of that. But like. I don't have any employment pressures and I'm, I'm, I'm retired. You can tell uh, U.S. agencies are preparing to offer booster shots to all eligible Americans beginning September 20. It is now very clear. That's in quotes that immunity starts to fall off, fall after the initial two doses. Top U.S. health officials said. Uh, interesting. Interesting. I, th- I thought they were going to be having new boosters to chase different variants, but I, I think that's still coming. Washington Post at MSN.com, vaccines show declining effectiveness against infection overall, but strong protection against hospitalization amid Delta variant. Um, I don't think that's the result of the vaccines. There's a normal progress of vaccine or of, of viruses evolving that they become more contagious and less deadly over time. And if it's not that, some other manipulation of the data to justify the vaccine effort. Well, you're less likely to be hospitalized bullshit. Although this might also be a psychosomatic effect. And I think a lot of the hospitalizations were, oh shit, I've got COVID and I'm stressed and they're oh, yeah, it's crazy. I'm, I'm going to go in and get COVID treatment. And maybe you test positive, maybe you don't, uh, but you might get treated like a COVID test anyway. COVID case. Anyway, Ned Kelly, according to Chris Martinson, peak prosperity, the danger of being around vax people is they can have extremely high viral load without showing symptoms. Okay, so there's another challenge, and 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 I suppose this is uh, the the case just to maintain overall hygienic separation. Um, I don't know. Is this a reason? So like barriers, if you're standing in front of a clerk, you know, aren't aren't going to make a difference. Don't stand face to face. Keep normal distance. But is this a, is this all the more reason to just go to slightly above normal hygiene practices, but not to wear a mask because it's counterproductive even for spike proteins, right? Anyway, uh, next up, France24.com, Britain handed jail term in Singapore for not wearing masks. A British man was sentenced to six weeks in jail in Singapore for not wearing a mask and harassing police. Obviously, there's more to this story than just, hey, put your mask. We didn't. Was a kid who did like five years for spray painting in Singapore and got whipped or something? Well, but hold on. All the stories, pretty simple. Benjamin Glenn was arrested after footage of him not wearing a mask on a train in May went viral. 40 year old subsequently harassed police into arrest and refused to wear a face covering during court appearance last month. Coroner reports Glenn delivered a rant in court when she described the proceedings as a preposterous and disgusting and and said masks were not effective. Um, ordered a psychiatric assessment, assessment fit enough for the case to continue, and ended up doing six weeks, or is is doing six weeks. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, CNN 
Fox.com, Biden says U.S. will require nursing homes get staff vaccinated or lose federal funds. Interesting. Uh, And from the Jerusalem Post, variants versus vaccines, is the COVID-19 race ever going to end? How come if there are such good vaccines, has the pandemic not ended? And I'm glad that this question is being asked. And it's kind of a compromised answer. I mean, I would wish it was more critical of policy, of course, but the general answer of this, it seems like a reasonable scientific examination of of, uh, pandemics in general, that they just don't have start and end dates, that they all kind of taper off and fade into the background of just something we experience. And so in, in, in this case, it's, it's important to keep that in mind, even to the extent that there was or is, you know, some uh, reality of this pandemic of a new virus. It's just something that's going to be with us. Uh, whether it was built in a lab or not, it is now out there in the global human heat, petri dish. And to whatever extent it fades, it will take a long time. Now, the distinct end phase that everybody is yearning for is uh, only going to come from government policy, and it's an end to the bullshit. Chicago Tribune. Dozens of Illinois public school districts on probation for refusing to comply with Pritzker's mask mandate. We are going to see this legal fight play out as we see it in corporate America. This breaking from Tristan Snell on Twitter, breaking Fox News, is requiring all employees to enter their vaccination status into a central database and requiring masking in confined spaces. Hypocrisy much. Interesting. Fox corporate buckles to the pressure. CBSnews.com. Travelers are canceling trips with COVID numbers rising again. It was really kind of heartbreaking. Just an update on the texture of COVID and, and what they are, what most people are experiencing. There is a, there, this back and forth is not just your local policies. It is about major national trends as well. After a rebound in travel this summer, people are once again canceling plans for trips because of the surging number of COVID cases. In a recent survey, 27% of respondents said they postponed a trip and more than 54% said the Delta variant has made them less interested in traveling right now. Now, here's the thing. Is it the Delta variant itself? Probably not. It's the hassle of dealing with more government bullshit, like the TSA and NBCnews.com. TSA extends into January mask rule for airline passengers. The TSA Current order was scheduled to expire September 13th. So, yeah, January 18th now. We will be dealing with this at least in airports. NBC News. That's part, Joey, that's that's one measure of the taper. It's it's August, September, October, November, December, January. A year and a half, exactly. No, no, five more months. Oh, Five more months of the TSA saying that we have to maintain this mask policy. I guess it could change at any time if they decide to drop it. I might count on it. Here's another crazy headline about airlines from NBCnews.com. Don't duct tape unruly passengers, United Airlines says, in memo to employees. Wow. The memo was sent after recent individuals involving passengers, recent incidents, Involving passengers on other carriers who were duct taped to their seats. <clears throat> I always like those stories. Unruly passengers may have been 
duct tape to their seats on other carriers, but United Airlines officials want to make clear that they do not endorse the practice. Please remember that there are designated items on board that may be used in difficult situations and alternative measures such as tape should never be used. John Slater, senior vice president of in-flight services told employees in a Friday memo. He, enjoy, he encouraged crew members to follow de-escalation practices. That's, that's I'm all for that. And to discuss the situation with the captain, customer service representative, and ground security coordinator for evaluations and solutions. Um, I, I think when passengers are, are out of control and physically unruly, I understand there's a certain liability. Uh, there's a man who was groping two flight attendants. He got into a physical fight with another. They're, they're, you're drunk and out of control. I duct tape that guy. I duct tape that guy all day long. <laughs> I mean, I think, I think if anything, my only problem with duct tape is is that it's not removable. It and can damage like skin, it. and it's not that convenient. Well, no, I mean, you want to be able to, to escort someone to the bathroom. You want to make it easy for law enforcement to do it, uh, to undo it. Um, and you want, it, plane, you want it faster you than duct tape. Really but if it's like, hey, throw a roll of duct tape on an airplane, okay. Um, no, I mean, it, it, it's like... Nylon rope's nice. Zip ties. Zip ties. So that's what it should be. There should be zip ties. Um, and and if it's uh, custom-designed zip ties to zip tie someone to a passenger seat that, that are um, less likely to, to, to dig into the skin... They maybe sure. even have a release mechanism. If they're having, yeah, absolutely. There's, if there's a dangerous situation, that's an essential safety thing on an airplane. Others, and no, I mean, sure. and it's but like, do we want to put that pressure on flight attendants? Like, well, no, it should, it should be something where, where, where passengers can help. Yeah. No, and I, I think managing the situation. I've seen it before with passengers and, and handing it out. And there, there, I mean, there's, like, there are air marshals because security is subsidized. So you know. Uh, parate for us. I'm just gonna start traveling by boat. <laughs> boat everywhere. No, no, you're gonna get a flying motorcycle. All right. Uh, CNBC.com to some economic implications. One third of e um, one third of American families couldn't cover a two thousand dollar emergency for the pandemic. One measure uh, of of the texture of American economic experiences and how many of us are living one way or another hand to mouth, right? Roughly 27% of American families couldn't cover an expected $2,000 expense within a month, and 33% were struggling to meet ends meet in January of 2020. So who knows? It was already hard. Right now. But um, although insecurity has been widespread, it's more prevalent among women, Black and Hispanic Americans, and individuals 30 to 44 years old. While the pandemic is still ongoing, there have already been signs of an unequal recovery among workers. Um, so gig economy workers less likely to have job security, emergency savings, retirement plans, and adequate insurance. Um, so uh, this, is, this is just, I, I think, something to, to look around. I guess take heart from that, that there are a lot of people who are just kind of living on the edge in different ways right now. And a lot more so now in the pandemic, of course. But how bad is it? 61, or how good is it? CNBC.com. 61% of Americans paid no federal income taxes in 2020. Tax Policy Center says. That's pretty good. Yeah, pretty good. I'm but, one yeah, of them. You're one of them. I'm one. I helped. I helped. I helped. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of this is just because people are living in poverty. And a lot of people who are living sort of on the edge are comfortable going, 
well, fuck it, let's just stay out of the system entirely. Wall Street Journal, Amazon plans to open large retail locations akin to department stores. Those restaurants will close, but come back under new owners. So don't worry about it. So said Donald Trump about a year and a quarter ago, as we were just getting into this new COVID season. And the conglomeratization, the centralization of economic factors. Now, how many how many big box stores have we seen? I guess big box stores aren't really well, no, uh, Kmart's. But uh, how many malls? Sears, Macy's, J.C. Penney's, Nordstrom's. I remember those things. But a lot, a lot of closing there. You know why? Amazon. But to whatever extent there is a desire for big box stores, Amazon retail locations. I thought Walmart. Is there is there a limit? You remember that scene from *Idiocracy* where where Costco is the brand that took over physical retail, and it's a giant sprawling shopping center, like ridiculous. There's got to be a point at which it's not efficient anymore. Like I'm already like okay, I can do the loop around Walmart, but that's that's a walk. And I'm not complaining, but it's like. Do I need all that? Do I want different stores for that? I like Walmart size, actually, as being the right size for that. Is Amazon going to make it bigger, more comprehensive, better organized, a better version of Walmart combined with their online platform? Could be pretty cool. Unfortunately, that it's happening centralized this way. Walmart surpassed Amazon yesterday. I saw for what? For sales? No. By what measure? Company value? Uh, anyway, Vice.com, next headline, Apple's double agent. This is really interesting. For more than a year, an active member of a community that traded and illicitly obtained internal Apple documents and devices was also acting as an informant for the company. Yeah. On Twitter and in Discord channels for the loosely defined Apple internal community that trades leaked information and stolen prototypes, he advertised leaked apps, manuals, and stolen devices for sale. But unbeknownst to other members of the community, he shared with Apple personal information people who sold stolen iPhone prototypes from China, Apple employees who leaked information online, journalists who had relationships with leakers and sellers, and anything that he thought the company would find interesting and worth investigating. Hate to say it, but we live in a can't-trust-anybody world, especially online and in situations like that when uh, corporations can do these kinds of things, operate without transparency. Even those efforts to make them transparent uh, can be infiltrated, let alone everything that governments are doing on behalf of corporations. But why export... Why, why, why externalize some function to uh, to government when when you can just do it internally, right? Uh, okay, so Ed shared the link here. Ed, Amazon surpasses Walmart as world's largest retailer outside China. Oh, so you had it backwards in the comment there. Amazon is surpassing Walmart. There you go. So why not? Would it uh, take over American and, and global retail as well? What, what, what's this link you shared there, dear? Uh, libertarians were wrong about marijuana legalization? Yeah, isn't that ridiculous? How so? What, what's this? I don't know. I'm reading it. It, it's, it's, it wasn't like a share for the show. Okay, so for tomorrow. This is the general okay. share for the well, I'm going to see wait, wait, it I thought we're show. using Telegram like our social media. So no, it but doesn't have to that's the producer's club okay. that I have pinned that I look for messages live during the show. Okay. I have to keep an eye on. And that's the other cool thing about Telegram. So Telegram, you can pin messages on it. 
and you can see alerts. So I use the desktop version. So even while my phone is up here, I can desktop into Telegram. When we get our, our big financial sponsorship upgrade, we'll have a multi-monitor setting and I'll do Telegram there. No, but I have uh, the Producers Club pinned so that we can have breaking stories from the Producers Club and Producer Club people can ping me during the show. But if you put a story in there during the show, I'm going to assume it's breaking news you want me to share. Otherwise, uh, you do it. Yeah, we should put something like when the Producers Club is like live. Or like we, we need a light in the Producers Club that shows live. And and I have my conversation with you is pinned. I'm pretty sure you don't want me to interrupt to talk about Quaaludes right now. Yeah. But I appreciate you doing that research during the show. That's cool. Um, and I have Jim, I have Jim pinned because he's the executive producer. All right. GreenwichTime.com. This is from the Washington Post. Originally, Facebook pushes VR for remote work, but practicality, cost, and nausea may stand in its way. Facebook believes it has developed a tool for the future of work, a virtual reality app that allows remote workers the chance to collaborate in the same virtual space. But it might take a long time for the social media company to convince massive numbers of workers to switch to VR for meetings, analysts say. Interesting that Facebook is the one getting in on this. Because there are other companies, there are lots of other people doing this, but Facebook has a platform for distribution, right? And if they lead the market, they would be easily in a position to cement their first-to-market advantage. On Tuesday, the company unveiled what it calls Horizon Workrooms on the Oculus Quest 2 VR headset. The app, which is still being tweaked, allows workers to create an avatar, collaborate with others on a whiteboard, stream what's on their laptop, take notes, and interact with coworkers who video conference into the virtual room all while sitting at their real life workspace. It's exciting to see that this is happening. And I'm more excited by other people's efforts rather than Facebook's. Um, I hope Facebook isn't the one that wins this race, but it is kind of cool to see. I mean, already the way we do this show and teleconference and, and, and so much other digital communication, it seems that we're waiting for the next level of uh, a virtual reality to hit. And there are a few things impeding that development one is just connectivity speeds uh most of the country I mean, when you get it on 5g or 4g and it's most of the country can access the, the the bandwidth necessary to do that that's one thing but then a lot of it's just uh, hardware i mean so you need a virtual you need a vr headset okay well maybe you can take your phone and you can just put your phone on a little cardboard thing and our mask and it's five dollars i mean it's not that expensive we still got to get that out there get people used to that and uh, a lot of Americans who have internet access don't have laptops, just have smartphones. So when it can be incorporated with that, next level VR, pretty cool. Next few, two or three years even. I think we're going to start to see some really cool practical VR extensions of what we do already with digital comm. And uh, who knows where that's going to go. All right, sad story from AP and something to warn you about. This is one of those stories that's like, fuck, I think I'll just stay inside from now on. How AI-powered tech landed man in jail with scant evidence. Michael Williams' wife pleaded with him to remember their fishing trips with the grandchildren, how we used to braid her hair, anything to jar him back to his world outside the concrete walls of Cook County Jail. His three daily calls to her had become a lifeline, but when they dwindled to two, then one, then only a few a week, the 65-year-old Williams felt he couldn't go on. He made plans to take his life with a stash of pills he had stockpiled in his dormitory. Williams was jailed last August, accused of murdering a young man from the neighborhood who asked him for a ride or a night of unrest over police brutality in May. But the key evidence against Williams didn't come from an eyewitness or informant. It came from a clip of noiseless security video showing 
a car driving through an intersection and a loud bang picked up by a network of surveillance microphones. Prosecutors said technology powered by a secret algorithm that analyzed noises detected by the sensors indicated Williams shot and killed the man. Williams said, speaking publicly for the first time about his ordeal, I kept trying to figure out how can they get away with using the technology like that against me? That's not fair. So he did nearly a year before a judge dismissed the case when at the request of prosecutors who said they had insufficient evidence. That's fucked up. Now, where did this happen? Did this happen in Juniper Wood Ranch, Arizona? Yeah. No. Did it happen in Montana or Wyoming? West Texas? Alberta? Calgary? Saskatchewan? Alaska? No. Where did it happen? Chicago. Cook County, Illinois. And one of the pictures here, shot spotter equipment overlooks the intersection of South Stony Avenue and East 63rd Street in Chicago. Stay away from this shit. Don't just... Don't city. Don't city. And if you live there, I know you love it because I used to love it because you're born there, but they're just, lying uh, to you. Just get away. Go camping. Run. And even the suburbs uh, offer at least an escape from Some this level of surveillance and exposure to police and government in general. But there's still a vulnerability with that. And it's the city is just growing to the suburbs over time. And the suburbs become the city. And it's like this, this growing, absorbing blob of bleh, Leave the city. control and yeah. pollution and... All right, four more headlines, and we are all cut up for Thursday right on time. TheGuardian.com. We do? All right, quick then. From The Guardian, why would anyone pay $500,000 for a painting by Hunter Biden? He's not an established artist or critically acclaimed. Yet his works are apparently being sold for surprising amounts. Yeah, influence peddling. Hunter Biden is a painter now. Remember when Hillary Clinton made a million dollars to give speech? Cocaine does it make you creative. <laughs> you buy a five the art world is so corrupt oh, yeah. uh westernjournal.com commentary now we know what cops are doing on january 6th doj caught withholding game-changing evidence yeah this is crazy um while there's not necessarily any strong evidence that a coordinated effort took place to facilitate the invasion although there's ample evidence that far from enough was done to prevent it ahead of time. The Department of Justice has now admitted that it possesses footage of Capitol Hill police officers fist bumping and posing for pictures with the protesters. It's just not prepared to hand it over to attorneys representing those who are facing trial for the role they played in the incursion. The reason the department has just got way too much footage to sort through before it can be bothered to provide any such potentially exculpatory evidence oh, to the defense. Yeah. All right, from the Associated Press. Interesting story about government wildlife management. Mustang roundups fuel deepening debate as drought grips West. Fun nature story. The sound of a helicopter propelled, uh, excuse me, the sound of the helicopter propeller thundered across the horizon as it dipped down toward Mustangs dotting the golden brown plain. The horses burst into a gallop at the machine's approach, their high-pitched Winnie's rising into the dry air. That helicopter roundup in the mountains of western Utah removed hundreds of free-roaming wild horses, 
shortly before the Biden administration announced it would sharply increase the number of Mustangs removed across the region. It's an emergency stepped land manager says essential to preserving the ecosystem and the horses as a mega drought worsened by climate change grips the region. Now think about it. The land managers, the government, government employees, say that we need to move these wild horses out of the way to save them from the mega drought because of climate change. The removals are adding fuel to longstanding conflicts with activists for the animals whose beauty and power make them an enduring emblem of the American West. They say the U.S. government is using the drought as an excuse to take out horses in favor of cattle grazing. Boosting the climate change narrative is just a bonus. Holy shit. There are two sides to every story. There's the side of the criminal and the side of the victim. And it's usually the government who's the criminal. And in this case, the horses and the people are the victim. Sad. Yeah. Forbes.com, Hobby Lobby loses its 11-year fight to block trans woman from bathroom. Yeah. Yeah. Just a funny side story. It's over. It's over. That little quirk of American embarrassment is over. I don't really care how it ended because there are are never going to be bathroom police in Hobby Lobby. All right. And with that, what is our announcement, dear? Uh, Jeremy Kaufman, CEO and founder of Odyssey and Library. Is going to be joining us on Tuesday. All right. Tuesday next week. Join us. Awesome. 8 a.m. Tuesday. Odyssey. What's his title? CEO. CEO founder. CEO the, the man. The man. The man. We got the man. Library and Odyssey. Of both. Of both. Oh, we're going to have to do some homework for that. Yeah, Sounds like fun. All right. Jim, give us the producer notes. The man, the myth, the legend sounds like that's going to be a fun show. Let's run through some end-of-show promos to remind you of everything you should be supporting. T.me forward slash Adam versus Man. I don't know if we brought that up today. I'm not sure, but that's what you should be a part of. Patreon.com forward slash Adam versus the Man. Instagram at the Garden of Freedom. HomeFrontBattleBuddies.com. TheCrypto6.com. And GoGreenEnergyOnline.com. Click those buttons all in that order. Have a great day, everybody. Love you. All right. In this day in history from GoodNewsNetwork.org. 20, uh, this, on this day in, in 1919, does anybody know, Joey, do you know what happened on this day, August 19th? 8 19 that's a, wow, what happened? Yeah. Afghanistan gained full independence from, do you know? England. Yes, the United England. Kingdom. England. Yeah. yeah. And then in 19, and then, and then, and then what happened? And then what happened in 2000? The British Empire collapsed. And then in 1989, Afghanistan gained its independence from Russia. Russia. And then. Why do we keep picking up? And then. No, no, no. And then. And then the Russian empire collapsed. And then in 2021, Afghanistan gained its independence from the American empire. And then the American empire. Conquered the rest of the world and took over and launched humanity into a state of eternal darkness and totalitarian rule. (laughs) No. We can learn from history. Sometimes we find good news. Like on this day in 1944, the liberation of Paris commenced. With French resistance fighters uprising against German occupiers as rumors of the Allies' advance energized the capital. 
Yeah. And even in better news, it was on this day in 1964, the Beatles launched their first North American tour, performing first in San Francisco after having played earlier concerts that year in Washington, D.C. and New York, all with the stipulation that blew M&M's. No, that the band would refuse all venues that excluded African Americans. Remember that when that was a thing? By the way, it was also on this day in 2010 that the last of the United States Brigade combat teams leave Iraq, crossing the border to Kuwait, and that was not the end of the war. That was definitely pre-surge, right? There were surges since then. 2010, the fake end of the war in Iraq. Mwah. Peace and love, y'all. Choose happiness and be excellent to each other.